You are listening to the Winning Edge Podcast, where each week we have a conversation with a different member of the Winning Edge Business Networking Chapter located in Spring Hill, Florida. Welcome to this episode of the Winning Edge podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Chambers, your host, and today I have the privilege of uh, having a conversation with our current president of the Winning Edge chapter, Keith Voiles. Welcome, Keith. Hey, how are you doing, Chris? Good, man. I appreciate you coming, taking the time to uh, to meet with us. Um, let's uh, let's just get to it. Uh, who is Keith Voiles? Well, Chris, I'm a native Floridian. Don't run into too many of those down here. Um, born and raised on the east coast of Florida. Um, spent my whole life there, other than uh, the time I was in the service, traveled around a lot while I was in the service. I've been married for 30 years to Chris. I have three children, Kayla, Keith Jr., and Kyle, all of whom are currently in college. I um, Let's see, what else can I tell you about myself? I, I fancy myself as an amateur archaeologist. Okay, um, how's that? Well, I'm especially interested in pre-Columbian civilizations in Central and South America. Okay, uh, I almost went to college and, and majored in archaeology, but decided that the, pros- the job prospects just weren't real high. Yeah, yeah. So I decided to keep it as a hobby. I did a lot of uh, explorations around in Florida when I was younger, uh, poked around in Indian mounds and things like that. Really? Um, I grew up on an area of Florida called the Treasure Coast. Mm-hmm. It's named that way because of the Spanish fleet, that treasure fleet that sank off the coast in 1715. So I'm really familiar with that situation all the all the uh cannons and anchors and 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 uh bits of uh pottery and and every once in a while something interesting floats up like a coin or something what like that. uh what's the most interesting thing you've ever found i found a gold coin have you yeah 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 coins spoons bits and pieces of metal lots of things i've i i actually know where about a dozen cannons and an anchor are on the bottom of course i couldn't bring them them up yeah, yeah. you know but i was just swimming along one day and Came across a patch of sand and just, boom, opened right up, and there they were. It was really neat. And there was nobody with me to share it with. You know? <laughs> now, when you say swimming along, were you snorkeling? Were you Snor- I was snorkeling diving? at that okay. time. Right. I do scuba dive. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. And the, the uh, reefs over there are, they, they run parallel to the beach. As there, there are several reefs that progress out away from the ocean, away from the beach, uh-huh. so that... Um, they're easy. The first, the closest one in is easy to get to, and as they go out further, of course, the water gets deeper and they're mm-hmm. harder to get, you know, to come across. Mm-hmm. And the span, the ships in this, uh, in this uh, hurricane ran across these reefs, and uh, and sank. Um, thousands of people died, but there were also several thousand that made it ashore. Mm-hmm. And for years, they worked on on raising up the treasure from these ships. There were seventeen ships that went down, wow. all from from Fort Pierce up to Cape Canaveral. Um, it's it's I'm just fast you know yeah, since I'm from is. that area. It's interesting. I was yeah. fascinated with it. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, we actually had a conversation with uh, with Dan Brown recently, and he uh, he also scuba dives. Yeah, y'all probably never ever done that together. Right? No, yeah, no, yeah. no. Um, he said he, the most uh, uh, interesting place, uh, the prettiest place, most fascinating place he ever uh, scuba scuba dove was. I guess that's how you say it. Scuba dive, scuba dive. Anyhow, uh, was Fiji. What's the what, oh. for you? What's the most uh, interesting place? Well, I was stationed in Hawaii in the service. Okay. So that was not awful. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you could step right off the right off into step right off a ledge into fifty feet of crystal clear water. Yeah. It got so. It became so redundant that we stopped diving during the day. We would only dive at night because at night, that's when the, the creatures come out 
it's just a lot more interesting. It's less crowded, and um, it just it, it stepped up the, the adrenaline and the sense of adventure. <laughs> I also took my gear with me on, uh, on ships when I deployed. So I traveled all over from Australia, uh, India, Sri Lanka, Philippines, Japan, Korea, Thailand, dove all these places. What branch? Marine service? Corps. Marine Corps, okay. All right. Um, <clears throat> one of the things about me, man, I'm terrified of sharks. And, and really, it's not, uh, it's not rational. It's irrational. Mm -hmm. I, I get that. Uh, uh, but uh, Dan said no reason to be. He said that he called them the dogs of the ocean. Uh, what, uh, what would you say? Uh, why shouldn't I be afraid well, of sharks? Well, I'll, I can tell you that when I see sharks, I, don't, I just see a whole bunch of teeth. I'm not real fond of sharks. Yeah, okay. okay? okay. I've run into sharks, but I'm not going to pet them. They're yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. So you no, keep no. your distance. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not really interested in cozying up okay. to a great white. Well, have you, have you seen any while you've been Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen sharks, really? sure. Great whites? Um, yeah, I've seen. That's yeah. it, terrifying to think uh, that you would do that at night. Uh, again, I'm, I'm getting nervous thinking about it. Um, you know. <sighs> <laughs> Apparently, you, you weren't because you did No, no. You know, at, at, when, I was, when I was diving in Hawaii at night, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was uh, invincible. I was in the mindset at that time that I was invincible. I got you. You know, nothing could hurt me. Nothing would you. hurt me. And, you know, I just was Superman. You're fortunate was, nothing did. It, it, Fortunately, yeah, yeah. but I tell you the truth, the one thing that I was a lot more afraid of th that's realistically more dangerous is my moray eel. Because oh, when, okay. you, when you're lobstering, you're reaching down into holes looking mm -hmm. for lobster, and if you know, a moray eel latches hold of you, the chances are higher that you're going to get a bad bite from a moray eel than you're going to get attacked right? by a shark. Yeah, a sh most shark attacks are accidental anyway. They, mm -hmm. they, they, they're test bites, right. for instance, they don't know. They don't know if you're really a meal. Mm -hmm. We're not tasty. We're too right. many bones and, and all that. So that doesn't mean they're not going to bite you, <laughs> kill you, and spit you out. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, for us, man, that can be, uh, uh, that can be deadly, uh, <laughs> you know, an accidental bite. Um, okay, well, l l let's do this. Let's, let's uh, transition into uh, your business. Uh, so sure. Southern Charm Building and Constructions. Tell us how you, uh, you got this started. Well, um, I got into building when I was about 12 years old. Uh, my father decided that we were going to do a project, a father-son project. Uh, so he pulled out a do-it-yourself book and asked me to pick a project. Um, I, I picked one. We built that together, and I've been hooked on building things ever since. I think I have a feeling, this philosophy about human beings, we all have this creative need. Some people satisfy it in sculpting, art, uh, music, poetry, whatever. Uh, building, I see as my creative release. I got you. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, I, I'd have to say it's uh, it's music. I also play the trumpet and stuff, so well, that's probably and a little bit of piano helped my daughter. She's taking lessons and things, so that's probably how I uh, uh, you know deal mm -hmm. with that. Uh, but no, I agree with you. I think I think there's uh, there's some of that. Uh, so for you, it's building uh, yep. at age twelve. Uh, I'm assuming you didn't you didn't start the company at age twelve, right? No, no. I I, I got into it over the years. I started off uh, actually in my first construction job when I was about sixteen. Got seriously into it. Uh, Wow. When I got out of high school, um, became became a, a mason, then a uh -huh. carpenter. Uh, over the years, I built up through the construction business. Um, eventually started my own company as mm -hmm. a frame and trim contractor, and then got my contractor's license um, all the way up through. Uh, steadily, steadily built it up and increased the volume and mm -hmm. the, the experience of the company until the crash in 2000. We started feeling it really in about 2006. 2007 was pretty strong. 2008, forget about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. what, what, what happened? How'd you handle that? Um, How'd you deal with that? Better than a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were, there were contractors 
that went out of business and there were contractors that checked out of life. Mm-hmm. There were there were many that took the ultimate Is that right? plunge. Oh wow. yeah. It was it was it was not pretty. Mm-hmm. It was like somebody turned the spigot off and it stopped mm-hmm. instantaneously. Yeah. It was it was I've seen recessions before. Nothing like this that lasted this long, this hard and wow. this 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 it was pretty rough, but tell you what though, um, a BNI came along right okay. about the time that uh, the recession really affected me. I had no business. Uh-huh. I wasn't. I had nothing really going on. Somebody invited me to a BNI meeting, and uh, gosh, I, what, I didn't have anything else to do, so I might as well go. And that was approximately ten years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. And just, uh, just over ten years so ago. So you decided to join uh, BNI. I was hooked immediately. Okay. I, I sat down. There was a room at the time. There were only about twenty people. Okay. Um, but they were all serious business mm-hmm. individuals. Mm-hmm. Most of them uh, own their own business. Um, I I- immediately connected with a lot of these people that were um, pretty much alpha personalities, uh, really uh, movers and shakers, mm-hmm. determined people. Yeah. And the, the, the actual philosophy at the time, the theme of the chapter at the time was we refused to participate in the recession. Okay. So I said, okay, that sounds good to me. Yeah. So uh, I started meeting and forming relationships and, and uh, uh, building the bonds, and how did that affect your uh, your business? Um, it took a while, you know. It took a while, but just because there was no business going on, mm-hmm. but I got it. It laid. Uh, I got to lay a lot of the footwork. Okay. Uh, building relationships with people. I'm um, uh, in, in the banking industry, mm-hmm. realtors, uh, tradespeople, things like that. So I, even though I didn't have business going on, I I formed these connections with all these people. Um, th- so it was. It was fruitful. I could see that the that the people that I was talking with were on the same level with me as far as business goes. My aches and pains were the same ones they were experiencing. So we we really had something in common right out of the box. And then I started. It took me a while to really understand the concept of the refer referral business. Uh-huh. You know, at, at first I, I immediately liked the relationships, but I didn't really understand how to how to turn. Um, other encounters outside of this group into referral possibilities. So I really started taking the, the trainings, the extra trainings, reading the books, and, and just just opening my mind to some of the suggestions. Like I said, I didn't have anything else going on, so I might as well. Now, with, with the with the trainings, uh, it's, it's now I believe it's called E-squared. Yes. Uh, but it used to be called uh, something about uh, become a something networker. Oh, certified networker. That's a network. different okay. different course altogether. Oh, okay, okay. That's a, a multi-week course okay. that goes pretty much in depth into how to develop referrals. I see. It's, it really gives you a strategy and, and formula to turn uh, any meeting of two or more people into a refer- referral opportunity. I see. And it really uh, it focuses your attention so that you're not wasting your time mm-hmm. uh, talking to somebody that's, that's probably not going to lead to anything and, down the road. I see. If you go to a, to a uh, Say a, some kind of get together, cocktail party, mm-hmm. or, or whatever, any kind of meeting, mm-hmm. and your and your goal is to network. First of all, you have to decide: is that your goal to network or to socialize? It's two different things. Right. You can do the same. You can combine them. But when you go to network, you have a strategy, so that when you go in, you meet someone, you evaluate the connection, mm-hmm. you you establish uh, some kind of uh, uh, connection with that person, mm-hmm. and you move on. You don't want to lock in with this with a, a short amount of a small amount of people. I you want you. to maximize 
that time. Your, your time. Mm-hmm. You only have so much. And now there is a, a training called Room Full of Referrals. Room right? Full of Referrals. Yeah, That's yeah. a fun one. Okay. That's a fun one. It evaluates, it teaches you how to evaluate personalities. Okay. You can evaluate your own personality. You can evaluate uh, other people's personalities. Mm-hmm. It, gives, it gives you some some ways to look at uh, look at meetings and kind of sum up characteristics and, and how to approach people. Okay. I've learned th- that helped me out in how to approach my clients mm-hmm. and my building partners. You know, to f- figure out the best way, a lot of psychology, the mm-hmm. best way to, to deal with, with people on a personal level. Right. Um, and it's a lot of fun. That's so a you, lot of you'd, fun. you'd highly recommend that one, then. Absolutely. If you're not going to take any of the trainings, take that one. And then uh, in addition to that, they have the, uh, the E-Square training and then like the, mm-hmm. the Ignite Your Business, more of the Ascentive type of Yeah, stuff Ignite Your right. Business is Certified Networker. It's oh, just okay. a different name and they reformulated you. it a little I bit. See. But it's basically the same same structure. I see. And that's, that is Ascentive, right? Mm-hmm. That's that, mm-hmm. that company. Um, yep. <clears throat> All right, and so uh, so you, you you were it sounds like you were you were farming uh, versus versus hunting there during that period when you started Absolutely. out with BNI. You want to talk about that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, so so when when you did that, you were building these relationships. Yes, uh, n- understanding these were going to come come due, if you will, uh, down the road. Right, right. Cut, the harvest would be a little bit. Right, later. I was building that network up, building it up, and strengthening those relationships. Okay. Now the one thing about BNI is that sometimes people come and go. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they, there was a statistic I read a few years ago that said the average length of a BNI membership is three years. Is that right? Um, if you look at our chapter, though, we have a lot of people that have been there longer mm-hmm. than that. Mm-hmm. We have a good core that's been in there just in between eight, nine years. Wow. There's a couple. Yeah. Uh, a couple will be, I'm the, I'm 10 years, Karen's 10 years. There are a couple more people that are, that are almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got a good core of seasoned yeah. members in there. That adds a lot of strength and stability mm-hmm. to the group. Yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and so you you uh, you did that. That ultimately uh, uh, you were able to turn your business around, kind of uh, relaunch uh, your business even. And uh, and now you you, you focus on uh, sustainability. Absolutely. One of the things this gave me an opportunity to do mm-hmm. in this downtime, so to speak, was to refocus my business. Okay. I, I I had been in business for for quite a while. I had amassed a considerable amount of, amount of wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Buffett line, I've made enough money to buy Miami, but I pissed it away so fast. You know, <laughs> right, that right. kind of reflects my life at that time. Okay. Um, I got decided to get really focused and say, you know, business needs to be about, my business needs to be about something more than profit. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've done that, been there, done that. What can I do now? Mm-hmm. So I decided that to make my business stand out, to be different than most of the other contractors mm-hmm. out there. I was going to focus on sustainability, okay. which is something that's really always been at, at, at near and dear to my heart anyway. Conservation and, and the environment have been close. But I approach it, I'm not a uh, tree-hugging nutcase, for mm-hmm. instance, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I approach it from a common sense perspective. Okay. There is a middle ground that you can't, never say never and never say always, so I believe that there's a if you incorporate a strategy of eliminating waste, mm-hmm. waste of time, waste of materials, um, materials for instance, it keeps keep less. Let, let's let's put less material into a landfill. We can do that by by really thinking about what's necessary to build something. So when I design it, I design it for a, the least amount of waste that can be incorporated into a structure mm-hmm. by using nominal lengths of material that material comes in certain lengths. So right. let's use those lengths to the maximum so that there's less waste. Right. It, it, and there's multiple of, uh, benefits from that. Since there's less waste going into the, into the landfill, mm-hmm. I spend less money moving that debris 
from one place to another hauling it off. Right. It costs money to mm-hmm. dispose of debris. Sure. Okay, so there are, there's a savings. Mm-hmm. Now, that's one small savings. I'm able, that enables me to pass that savings on to my homeowner yeah. in, in, in different ways, yeah. you know. Uh, a lot of this is very thoroughly thought out when I design a house. Mm-hmm. There's there's very little waste that goes into it. There's there's a lot of thought put into the processes of the construction too, so mm-hmm. that manpower is is not wasted either. I do things for ease of construction, mm-hmm. um, so that so that dur- so that I can then work with my building partners, and they know that they've worked with me before that they they can they can achieve a level of profitability. By ex- by, not having to, uh, by by being able to work efficiently, mm-hmm. you know, and I use the same subcontractors over and over and over again. We're on the same page right. from a sustainability right. perspective, mm-hmm. so that I don't have to uh, reeducate Reach, them. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are involved in in getting to that to to, to the same level. Right. They appreciate it, though. So, so with sustainability, you're, you're looking at uh, uh, efficiency with materials. Uh, you're also looking uh, for efficiency in, with energy, right? Ener- uh, energy absolutely. Talk absolutely. about that a little bit. Well, you know, when you design this, when you design a structure, you're, gonna, you're going to focus on the envelope of the structure. That's the, the walls, the, the floor, mm-hmm. the roof. Okay, if you incorporate elements into those structures that are going to increase the... Uh, the uh, R value, the insulation value mm-hmm. of these, these, so that you have less energy leaving the building right. during the winter. You want to maintain that energy in, or less energy in the summer coming into the into the building. The weak points are st- are stereotypically the windows and the doors. Okay. Um, now a lot of your uh, the roof is also a weak point. Mm-hmm. A lot of your heat goes through your attic, and, and out through your roof. So mm-hmm. you want you want to think about those in the design process. You want to use. Uh, uh, materials say on a roof that are light. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want a dark material. You want a reflective type type material. The lighter, the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, your windows, you want to use insulated, uh, double insulated, argon filled, low E, mm-hmm. energy efficient windows. I use vinyl windows. I use good quality windows because that is one of the biggest places where 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 you know energy is going to pass out right. through those. Mm-hmm. And, and there's there's another thing that you mentioned uh, using ceiling fans actually to help uh, absolutely lower costs. I love ceiling fans you uh-huh. know one of the things I did um, strategically mm-hmm. so I spent a lot of time in the islands the Caribbean okay um, and looked at houses the mm-hmm. way they are built there mm-hmm. they don't they don't uh, there's not a lot of air conditioning what what do people do and what did people do here before air conditioning was invented mm-hmm. and and if you go back and look at that a lot of the things are basic basic things higher ceilings mm-hmm. because heat rises okay so if you have a ceiling that's a little higher now you have to have a uh gotta be a balance there gotta be a balance yeah, yeah. too high mm-hmm. and you know wasting you, the air conditioning you, you're you're heating and cooling unused space right. so if you go say nine foot four to ten foot something like mm-hmm. that or i actually like vaulted ceilings more than an elevated flat oh, okay. ceiling okay so that heat gets away from you a vaulted ceiling, the air tends to circulate a little better in mm-hmm. there. If you use a ceiling fan to encourage air flow, air flowing across your skin uh, uh, simulates a reduction of as much as 6 degrees wow. in body temperature. So if you set the thermostat in your house at 80 degrees mm-hmm. and you're sitting uh, in your living room under a ceiling fan, you actually feel like it's 74 degrees. This is a very comfortable temperature, mm-hmm. even though your air conditioner and your electric bill are running at 80 right, degrees. Right. So your instant savings right there. Mm-hmm. Plus the, the uh, uh, 
air conditioning equipment these days is much more efficient than it used to be. So you've, you've got a built-in savings there. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's still, if you can limit the amount of time that air conditioner runs, then uh, it's money in your pocket. Mm-hmm. The other, the other um, appliance in your house that is a typical energy waster is your water heater. I'm a big proponent of gas tankless water okay. heaters. That's the most efficient water heater you can, you can, you can have. Uh-huh. You know, but there's also strategies involved with that. So um, I'll talk about that, that another time, I guess. With the with the uh, uh, you mentioned the you know the environment. Obviously, I'm assuming uh, that uh, that you believe that th- there's there should be many many more contractors like yourself, builders like yourself, mm-hmm. that are looking at these uh, other ways to to you know for sustainability and, and efficiency and things. Uh, so, what would be uh, some advice of a, of a young uh, uh, person you know coming out of school and, and thinking I, I want to go into contracting? What what kind of advice might you give that person? Uh, maybe even to push them towards uh, this mindset. Uh, educate yourself, learn, mm-hmm. you know, um, a lot of times, especially early on, your motive is, is going to be profit mm-hmm. for a younger person. Well, if you look at sustainability is a natural profit generator anyway, if you just look at the less waste side of it, mm-hmm. then that, if, if you're using less material and less labor, boom, there's, mm-hmm. that translates to a greater profit right. potential. Right. Uh, I, I translate it into a greater savings for my customers, mm-hmm. um, so that I don't I can compete uh, with uh, a lower price that way. Mm-hmm. And and as far as your customers go, uh, your clients who who would that be? What what is uh, what does your ideal client look like? Um, uh, uh, ideal client for me would be for for the house building side of it mm-hmm. would be an individual that owns their own property, has financing set up. Um, with a, either set up with a bank or something, some kind of financing financing uh, structure already established. Okay, you know that works works to my benefit there. Okay, if ready to go. And then, um, uh, how is it that uh, that a potential client, say somebody might be listening uh, to this uh, and wants to get a hold of you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, telephone, uh, okay. telephone call would be great. What's uh, the phone number? Three five two seven nine seven zero zero seven four. Okay, very good. And uh, they'll speak directly to you then? Yeah. If I don't answer, leave a message, I'll call back. There's one other thing I did want to mention that I think does separate you, help you to stand out among uh, maybe other contractors. Uh, before, if you're going to build a house for somebody, uh, you don't simply talk to them on the phone. You actually will go spend some time with them in their current environment to get to know them. Is that right? Absolutely. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Well, in order for me to build a structure that's going to um, satisfy their their goals, wants, and needs, I need to learn about them. So... I like to sit down with that, with that potential client in, in a casual environment mm-hmm. and just exchange ideas, talk to them, uh, educate them about uh, the way I feel about sustainability. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more I express, the more I educate them at this point, yeah. the easier the process is going to be later on. It builds, builds a trust that uh, they, they tend to learn that um, and feel comfortable that I know what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. the decisions i make are made for certain reasons that they may not even see up front but everything is there are many reasons for every decision i make in the design of a house Mm -hmm. it's not just oh i think this window will look good here boom you know it's it's well thought out in its place so i have to gain their trust that they're they're going to follow through follow through on that i like to see i like to get to know the people so that i know um what's important to them Mm -hmm. what what kind of values they have and also the structure of their family Mm -hmm. Is this going to be a family home? Are they going to be, you know, what age the children right, are? Right. Um, is this a house they're going to live in 
throughout the development of their children. So right. if so, I need to develop and build in some flexibility so that the house can grow with them and change. You know, if you're going to go from, from toddlers to teenagers, right. the house needs to be able to keep up with them by being able to modify sure. along the way. Sure. And I, I would say a lot of builders don't do this, right? They, they, they don't oh, no. spend that kind of time. No, they don't. Yeah, certainly very, very specific for the uh, for your clients. Most builders are not true custom home builders. Even, even the ones that say they're custom home builders, mm-hmm. they achieve customization by taking a standard floor plan and shifting walls around or something like that. I design every house from scratch. I never build the same house twice. Wow. Everything is truly designed for that individual mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. Um, never to be repeated again. Now, I do show the floor plans that I've built before to people so they get an Ideas, idea of what's yeah, possible. Yeah. Uh, one thing that, that I think is neat is it adds a, a level of uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the houses that I build don't look like every other house out there. Mm-hmm. They're totally different, totally unique. Right. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, this is for our BNI uh, chapter. For other members uh, listening, uh, you know, meeting with their uh, sphere of, of, of influence and, and, and things, who is it, uh, what, what is it, rather, that we can listen for? What are some certain triggers that I can listen for uh, to better be able to send you business? Oh, well, if you hear some, someone discussing uh, uh, their electric bill is too high, they, what, okay. what can they do to, you know, to, to lower that? Mm-hmm. Um, if they express an interest in energy savings, uh, also, I save a lot of money in, in through my designs in insurance and tax savings. I uh, incorporate those in there in there too. Okay. Uh, a lot of things can be can be incorporated that can that can make your house uh, insurance company friendly, so, so to like, speak. So like like eco friendly type of, of things, toilets well, and things like that. Or? Well, those those generate savings uh, up front from you know utility bills. Okay. Insurance wise, though, it's all in Florida. It's all about wind resistance and uplift. Oh, okay. Resisting to those things. I, I do build in uh, um, houses occasionally with so-called safe rooms, mm-hmm. panic rooms, things like that. Um, they're really not that expensive. Okay. Uh, uh, most people don't think about that until they really need it. And when the big wind blows, it's usually in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. The best thing uh, I can recommend for a family, two things, first of all, actually. Buy a weather radio and use it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is to have a plan with your family. Teach your children, your spouse where to go when that howl in the middle of the night hits. Okay. Find a, find a place, co- just come up with a plan and organize some mer- emergency supplies and have them in place in a place where everybody knows where they are right. and that everybody have drills, actual mm-hmm. drills, especially with children, so they know how to, they know how to use these supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, the awareness along those lines... I, I think can pay huge dividends down the road. Mm-hmm. Life, potentially life-saving. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it, beyond that, too, the safe room. I've done a lot of safe rooms from a from a perspective of other than life-saving. It can also be a place to store your valuables okay. in case of fire. I build a room that's fire-resistant, wow. for instance. Um, I had I had built a house for a guy in Wesley Chapel that had a, a he was an avid gun collector, mm-hmm. um, but he had children, and he was concerned about the safety of his children. So we built a. Uh, a multi-purpose safe room for him in the master bedroom closet. Now, from the outside, that just looks like a master bedroom closet. But things that are built into it under the drywall made this a fire-resistant, wind-resistant, secure room. Uh, The room had its own uh, security code on his alarm system so that he could lock that room, set the code, go out and mow the lawn, and feel comfortable leaving his kids in the house mm-hmm. watching cartoons mm-hmm. and, and know that they, they could not get to Access that to closet. That. Right. He, you know, uh, a feeling of, uh, you know, just uh, security for security, the kids, yeah. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, well, let me uh, let me ask you this. Um, one, one of the things we're we're doing with these uh, with these podcasts is doing a little segment, uh, back to the basics uh, segment. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, so, uh, what what I want to ask you about is uh, what, what what does a, an effective one to one look like? Well, well, first of all, what is a one to one? One to one is a meeting of two members. Uh, of your BNI chapter outside of the confines of that room. It could be a cup of coffee, lunch, cocktail, uh, anything, fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually structured about an hour. Okay. I've seen them go way longer. Mm-hmm. They should not be shorter. Okay. There should be a half hour where one of the parties discusses their business, the other party discusses their business. I okay. um, occasionally you'll get have a one-to-one where one party just gets on a roll and dominates the conversation. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. That's fine. That gives you an opportunity to say, well, this time we talked about your business. Right. Let's schedule another one to one. We'll talk about my business. Right, right, right. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. fine. Yeah. Um, the best thing to do to have a successful one to one is to have a strategy, have a plan of action. Uh, the gains profile okay. is a great way to structure your one to ones. You follow the gains profile down and talk about the, each uh, item on your gains mm-hmm. profile. Mm-hmm. And that way we can get the basic exchange of information between the two parties taken care of. Um, the, what you don't want to do is turn it into a, uh, a, social, uh, a social event. Yeah. Think business when you're having a right. one-to-one. And it, critically, when the one-to-one is over, leave with an action plan and mm-hmm. summarize it. At the end of your one-to-one, say, okay, when we leave here, I'm going to something for you, mm-hmm. and you're going to something for me. Okay. And then... A really good idea is to, is to discuss a, a, a future, uh, a goal of having a future one-to-one to follow up later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and along those lines, you and I actually had a one-to-one uh, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, of the, one of the things I wanted to mention about that is that after, thereafter, you actually uh, had a contact that you wanted to introduce me to. And so you scheduled that and let me know. And uh, you went with me uh, to that sure. contact, introduced me, stayed with me uh, and this, this contact the whole time. And it looks like that's going to turn into uh, you know, some business uh, for me. Um, is that something that you do regularly or you would advocate others to do as well? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Um, that's a strong referral, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, a, a referral that I would classify as a weak referral mm-hmm. is where uh, one individual says, uh, I gave so-and-so your card. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll probably call you. That's pretty weak. Yeah. Um, a strong referral is, as you said, I, uh, I called, I, I made the appointment mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. I went with you. Yep. We sat down together mm-hmm. um, for this introduction to this gentleman. Yeah. Okay, that's a strong referral, mm-hmm. and it felt strong. Absolutely, you know, yeah, it's, it's beginning def- to end. those sure. referrals have the greatest tendency to to uh, become successful. Other, you know, besides, I gave somebody your phone call, or your right. phone number, or mm-hmm. gave gave them your card. Yeah, you know, those are very weak referrals. And and along those same lines, uh, uh, when when you're looking for. Uh, referrals to individuals. Uh, it, it's also good to look for referral sources, which also this contact could potentially turn into as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit as far as referral sources go? <clears throat> uh, well, for you, uh, let me ask that. For you in particular, what would be a good referral source uh, generally for your business? Oh, referral sources. Um, realtors are a good okay. referral source. Right. Um, believe it or not, uh, building inspectors are a good, re- good source resource for me. Okay. Uh, other contractors are good. R- subcontractors are good, another good source for me. Um, I am a, a small business, not a, not a, uh, a giant corporation or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I, I tend to reach out more towards the people that want 
to have a personal involvement with their contractor mm-hmm. and not just be passed off from a salesman right. you know, to a, to a job for right. them or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Like you said, you, you, you specialize it for them. You customize it for uh, your, your, uh, your customer. Um, let me ask you this before we, uh, we, we, we get to the rapid fire. Is there anything else that you would like uh, anybody listening, whether it be a member, a potential client, uh, that we haven't already discussed that you would like uh, them to know before moving forward? Um, just that uh, sometimes, sometimes building a relationship with a, with a client and with subcontractors takes time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot. Of, it's not uncommon for me to meet with a potential client for up to a year before we actually build. Wow, okay. um, just because uh, we may start that relationship by a simple introduction somewhere uh, where, where I'm, I've met this person through another person and they become interested in what I do and we start talking about it. At that time, they may not have any thought about a project in the future. But because I've nurtured that, that uh, impression early on, mm-hmm. when they do think about it or when they meet someone that is right. thinking about it, sure. they generally have a positive uh, uh, comment, yeah. you know, and at least a positive yeah, yeah. results. For sure. I've had people track me down at my house that I met at a party years ago, and they finally decided to build, but they didn't have my contact information. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah. they, they showed up at my door one day. Yeah. <laughs> So are you advocating for anybody listening to do that? No, not actually. A phone call, a phone call would really suffice. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, let's jump into the rapid fire. Just got a few questions for you, real quick, sure. and we'll uh, we'll finish up today. Um, what is the best uh, book? Could be business, could be network, could be otherwise uh, that you have ever read or that you would recommend somebody. That's else an easy one. All right. I read a book a while ago called The Millionaire Next Door. Okay. Great book. Really good. Um, opens your eyes onto the. Don't make assumptions okay. in, in your daily life, your business life. Mm-hmm. Okay, really, um, don't judge that book by its cover. Uh, open, open the cover up and, and read the pages. There's a lot of interesting stuff in there. This was a great book. If you ever ch- have a chance to read this book, I recommend it to, to anyone. Okay. It's very, it's very interesting from a business. Uh, aspect as well as mm-hmm. the personal side. And and what we'll do in the show notes, we'll add that book in there and maybe even a link to that on Amazon or something. Oh, awesome. Well. Okay. Um, all right, what is the most important networking trait? You've been doing this a long time. So in, Quite a in while. your opinion, yeah. what is the most important? I'm a good listener. Trait? Okay. Good listener. Right. Um, Why is I that think, so important? Oh, because uh, that's how you get to know somebody, by listening to them. If, you're, if you spend all your time talking about yourself, then you're not really learning anything about the other person. Mm-hmm. So if you listen to them, you learn about what's important to them, you learn about what is... Um, um, what what they really need mm-hmm. to to hear about mm-hmm. in their lives, you know. You, it's and, and I I base a lot of what I do on getting to know my my client mm-hmm. on a personal level, yeah. so I can really satisfy what what they're looking for. Right. Other than a, a, you know bricks and stones. Yeah, no, sure. And then um, if you could go back in time, all right, uh, go back a few years and talk to your younger self. What is one networking secret maybe you've learned over the years that you oh, wish yeah. you had known sooner? Never miss a chance to shake a hand, okay. uh, evaluate an introduction early on, and uh, forecast the possibility of a greater connection down the road. Okay. All right. And then the last thing I'm going to ask you today is, what is the most profound piece of advice you wish you had known sooner, just about life in general, not about networking, not about business, just life in general? It goes right back to the handshake. A handshake's the most basic form of a contract. It's also the most personal and, in many ways, the most powerful. Okay. Uh, always stand to shake hands with someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, look them deeply in their eyes and grasp their hand firmly. Okay. Um, 
So the handshake still means something to you. You, you, you will have told that person everything that they need to know about doing business with them. In, in that handshake. In that handshake. It communicates so much more than words. Right. Well, thank you so much, Keith. I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, and like I said earlier, uh, we'll make sure in the show notes we have a link to your website as well. That, that number, uh, the phone number that you gave us as well will be uh, on there along, uh, along with the book that you just uh, recommended for us. Yeah, okay. It's been a pleasure, Chris. Thank you, Keith. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Winning Edge Podcast. Please be sure to check out the podcast notes for contact information for each of our guests, links to their website, and links to more information about the topics discussed in this episode. Until next week, happy networking. <laughs>